Welcome to Chapter 67 of the Kinsman Die podcast, home of fantasy fiction based on Norse mythology that's written and read by me, Matt Bishop. In this podcast, I read my first novel, Kinsman Die, one chapter at a time. And with each episode, when it makes sense, I provide some commentary about the source materials I've referenced in the text. This week, we're back with Frigg. Frigg discovered that the heart of the mistletoe into which they had placed her son Baldur's spirit had been cut out. That was why he was dying as he slept, and only waking when the sun touched him, or when he drank his own elixir, distilled from the revitalizing fruit of the great tree Yggdrasil. It also seems that these dreams have gotten worse. Odin witnessed one and used his magic to hopefully stabilize Baldur until he could get more answers. Frigg also dragged Odin's unconscious body out of Mimir's glade, where he'd cut his own eye out. And after that, she and Odin had discussed the possibility of who might be behind the attack on Baldur. And thanks to a memory Odin surfaced, she and Odin believe that Loki might have done it, but they just can't figure out how since they were careful in keeping that secret. There's also the Odin's attack on Halls and the retribution Odin asked Thor to carry out. And with all this other stuff going on, as Allmother Frigg's been dealing with the administration of Gladsheim, much of that has been handled off-camera, as it were, and now that stuff takes center stage. Let's rejoin her now. Chapter 67, Frigg At the sound of boots approaching, Frigg wrenched her gaze away from the patches of bland sunlight scattered across the hall's floorboards. She'd finished the morning's business early, and now had a little time to herself, which she'd squandered by staring blankly at the floor. Mother, Nana called, her light voice floating across the intervening distance. Worry crashed over her like a cold wave. She was on her feet and saying, What's wrong, Nana? Is it? Before Nana said, Baldur's fine, he's okay. I just came to check on you, Mother. Oh, good. Relief flooded in. Of course he was all right. It was nearly midday, after all. It would have happened already if it were to happen again. No, when it happened. Odin said he couldn't heal Baldur, not with the heart of the mistletoe cut out. Nana continued, You've been through so much in this past week, and yet you're still here dealing with everything that's gone undone. I don't know how you do it. How indeed. It comes with being all-mother, Frigg said, which is what Nana would discover for herself if Odin, no, when Odin returned with answers. Thank you for taking over the preparations for midwinter. That alone has helped. That's partly why I've come, actually, Nana said, her expression serious. The last batch of wines arrived. I thought you'd want to escape this, she gestured around the hall, and ride down into the city with me to taste it. I would like nothing better, Nana. Let me get my cloak. Just being outside the dim, stale hall lifted Frigg's heart. The day was more beautiful than the patches of sunlight had promised. Astride her horse, she had a fine view of the light-dappled, snow-covered tops of the fields and forests surrounding Glodsheim, along with the silvery river snaking in and out of view. Nana rode beside her, while Gnaw rode before them both, holding the All-Mother's banner, a falcon's eye. As they clopped slowly down the curving road to the second tier, through the market, and then beneath the second gate, she was in among the bustle of Glodsheim itself. 
People, carts, animals all moved this way and that amid the swirling smells of cooking meat, wood smoke, baking bread, and the nose-wrinkling acridity of animal waste. The crowds made way for their small group, the free men and women touching their foreheads or stopping to bow and greet her. If they'd been walking, they wouldn't have gotten a spear's throw before being stopped. But astride horses, they were clearly on important business. So tell me, how did your meeting with the Jotun envoy go? She asked Nana. You and Balder met with him, what, two nights ago? We did, mother, Nana said, her fingers toying with the reins. But with respect, I'm, I'm not the right person to ask. You were there, weren't you? I, um, well, yes, Hoffrig. She touched her daughter's shoulder. Don't say, uh, Nana Nepper's daughter. You were taught better. In his own way, your husband is just like his father. Let me guess what he's doing today. He rose early and visited the healers at Agir's temple to help them in aiding the many folk unlucky to be sick this time of year. And then, if there's time before evening, he'll check in with the city wardens or the Einharar. Or both, Nana said. Leaving you to do what? Frigg said. She answered her own question silently. To be as alone as I am. Nana shrugged. I'll tell you what. Today, at least, you relieve me of a full helping of boredom. But I won't always be able to slip away. Frigg gestured toward the crowd of people around them, moving, bustling, laughing, yelling. She turned the gesture into a wave, acknowledging all those around her. Have you ever walked through a cloud of those little spring flies? Nana gave her an odd look, but nodded. Not in a great while, but yes, as a child, I'm sure I did. You're much closer to your youth than I am, Nana. I've been in Godsheim many times longer than I spent growing up among the Jotun. In some ways, I am more austere than those around us. Yggdrasil's fruit has so extended our lives that we move through this press of people, much like your younger self did that cloud of spring flies. She took in her daughter's shocked expression. It is a brutal thing to say. But how many new generations have you already seen, Nana? Two? Three? I've seen six, maybe seven. And now that I say it aloud, no wonder Odin's always leaving, always outdoing something. My point, Nana, is that we both need to find something that links us to all these folk around us. If we begin to truly see them as flies, why bother ruling? And would we still be ourselves if we view our fellows as annoying bugs soon to die? The crowd began to press in around them more tightly as the gate that led to the first tier loomed ahead. Wide though it was, with all the traffic passing through, the streets near the gates were always crowded. She glanced sideways. Her daughter's eyes were clouded with thought. So tell me, Nana, what drudgery did you discuss with the Yotanon boy? Nana clucked her tongue and brought her horse closer to Frigg. Is it safe to... No one's listening. It was hard enough to hear Nana's soft voice above the noisy bustle around them. It would be still louder once they reached the trade district. We spoke to him right after Thor destroyed that town. I'm sure the conversation went well then, Frigg said, wondering if Odin would be proven right, that exerting force would indeed make the Jotun more tractable. I would say, oh, I, I see, Nana's cheeks colored. 
Baldr tried to smooth it over as best he could, the more so because Thor didn't actually kill anyone. He didn't? Normally he didn't care. Why had he been more careful this time? Baldr had gone to Thor and asked him to spare the Jotun in the town. Thor said he'd think about it. When Thor returned, you and the Allfather had ridden to speak with Mimir, so Thor told Baldr what he'd done, and what he hadn't. Baldr was very relieved to hear that his brother had honored his request. That was well done. And did Baldr send Thor back out again? Nana smiled, brief and genuine. No. Thor left shortly after he arrived. By now he and Siv are likely back in Thrundheim for midwinter. Since they lived farther away, Freyr and Freya had left right after Ithaval. Tyr had remained, as had Heimdall. And so what did you discuss with the envoy after the Thor incident? Baldr discussed the plan you and Allfather proposed. Sending craftsmen to build and improve their roads, Baldr expanded upon it, talking about building a way station along the route between the breach and Jotunheim, where Jotun could come for healing. He talked of sending Valkyrs from Bredelbeck to staff it. And how did Eldir respond to that? He seemed amenable, but then he would, I suppose. Something for nothing. Baldur also mentioned some Jotun settling in Asgard. The envoy was less intrigued by that idea. He was mostly concerned that those who do so might be threatened or killed, used as a cudgel to bring the Skrymir to heal. That was one reason behind the idea, Frigg nodded. Aside from that, what else did he say? That he'd convey the proposals to the Skrymir, but that nothing was likely to happen until after midwinter. That's fine. We have enough to deal with now anyway. She glanced sideways at Nana. And you? What did you add? I don't understand, Mother. Everything you told me involved Baldur doing or saying something. What did you contribute? The horse's hooves thudded into the silence between them. Nana glanced at her, cheeks rosy. I said little, mother. I thought so. Next time you and I will talk before another such meeting. You've a sharp mind, Nana, but don't be afraid to nick your edges. All good weapons are battle-tested. Weapons, mother? I don't under... Frigg touched Nana's arm, stopping her daughter even as she reined in. At first it seemed a trick of the sunlight, but flames descended on Nana's head, roaring downward in the first exuberance of a bonfire. There was no heat, but Frigg flinched as if she'd been scorched. She squeezed her eyes shut, but the blazing red light danced just beyond them. Why was it always fire? Mother? Their horses' shoulders brushed against each other as the animals shifted, nervous, anxious to be moving again. I'm all right, Frigg said, forcing her fingers to unclench. Another vision. Of me? Frigg opened her eyes. The flames were gone, and she shook her head. She hadn't answered questions like that since her youth, not even when Odin asked, and more recently than that. She wasn't about to start now. War burns at the edge of things. From in front of them, Gnaw called out. All mother, a warden approaches. She pointed back down the way they'd come. The crowd parted around the warden like a river around a rock. He reined in and touched his brow in salute. Apologies, Allmother, Harnana. 
there's been a murder. Pimifeng, tell me again what happened. Frigg sat and gestured for Nana to do the same. From start to grisly finish. Despite the braziers Gnaw had just finished kindling, the hall was cold and dim with evening's approach. Frigg shivered beneath her heavy falcon cloak. The hall's flickering shadows reminded her of her father's tent. Flaps thrown open so the spirits could lend their guidance to all the hundreds, perhaps thousands of judgments her father had pronounced during his long tenure as chief. Yes, All-Mother, Thang said, stroking his long beard, far more white now than gray. The divorce you witnessed nearly a fortnight ago ended in the woman's murder. But not before, he coughed and looked down at his feet. You can say the word, Fimifeng. It won't be the first time I've heard it, or had to deal with its consequences. She glanced sideways at Nana, who sat, composed enough, hands folded in her lap. Nana's eyes were wide, though, as if she were shocked to be where she was. Frigg briefly touched her daughter's knee. She'd had Tyr to guide her through her first dozen judgments, and all the time spent watching her father do the same. Nana had Frigg. Femifeng continued, Apologies, All-Mother. It seems the woman, Bera, was raped before being strangled. And this is known how? By the sister's word and her husband's. Said she heard screaming. Her house is near to her sister's. Said she went running with her husband to her sister's house. They flung the door open and found the former husband, Harold, on top of his former wife, Bera. The sister's husband pulled him off while she, Yelena, ran for the wardens, screaming murder the whole way. And how did Yelena's husband come to be stabbed? Nana asked. After he pulled Harold off Bera, the husband claims that he fought with Harold, Fimifeng said. The husband, Clacky, was carried to Jarl Baldur's longhouse, the one he uses for the care of the hurt and sick, I mean. I don't know how badly the husband is wounded. Claims? Frigg asked. Yes, All-Mother. The wardens told me that Dunn witnessed the gruesome events inside the longhouse, except Harold, Yelena, and her husband. And the dead wife, of course. Were Odin here, he could have coaxed the words from Bera's corpse. But of course, he wasn't here. Frigg gestured for Gnaw to approach. Take a warden and visit my son's hall. See if the sister's husband lives. If not, Carl Harold may have two lives to answer for. Yes, All-Mother, Gnaw said, nodding. Tell me what the wardens said they saw when they arrived, please. Both are here, All-Mother. They could... Frigg raised her hand, smiling. I know, Femifeng, and I'll hear them shortly. Right now I want to hear it all from you. Your memory has always been flawless. The old thrall bowed slightly, thanking her. Of course, All-Mother. They told me they found the husband, Harold, in the corner, bruised and bleeding, dazed. His former wife, Bera, was dead on the floor, dressed up around her waist, neck badly bruised. Did they seem drunk to you, or like they had been drinking? The wardens, I mean. Frigg caught Nana's surprise and shrugged. Drunken warders were common enough. 
No, All-Mother, they had just started their watch. Which meant their first patrol through the area had been done while sober, or mostly so. Had it been later, the sister might not have come across them at all. Very well, Femifang. Is there anything else we need to know before the accused is presented? No, All-Mother. Shall I fetch them? Frigg nodded and the thrall stepped away, Boots hardly making a noise as he went. In a low voice, Nana asked, We, Mother? The far door creaked open as Fimifang hauled it open. I told you what was required of being All-Mother, Nana. Yes, but in front of them all? It's my first time here. She turned toward her son's wife. We rule, Nana. We make the decisions when the Carls and even the Jarls cannot. Were this the murder of a thrall, we wouldn't have been summoned. Nor would the rape and murder of one Carl by another necessarily require my involvement. But I'm sure that since I was involved in their divorce, Fimithang thought it important I'd be party to this foul outcome. When you and Baldur come to rule, you'll need a steward like Fimithang. At the clink of chains and scuff of boots, Frigg glanced down the hall. Then she looked back at Nana, smiled, and set her hand on her shoulder. For now, just pay attention. I won't throw you to the wolves just yet. The younger woman gave a quick smile of thanks. Harold stumbled through the open center of the hall, his hands bound before him. Short though the walk was, It felt as if it took a month for him to approach and fall to his knees. If anything, Harold looked even more hard-ridden than he had during his divorce. His big shoulders were slumped, and his weather-beaten face had been further beaten by fists. Purpling bruises and crusty blood covered half his face. The wardens behind him, however, made their prisoner look small. They were both older men, judging by their grey-shot beards, with hard faces made more severe still by the dim light and strong shadows. The murdered woman's family crept up in the wake of their daughter's killer. The parents looked like empty, hollow trees that somehow still stood. Their second daughter had a black glint in her narrowed eyes, made somehow more wicked by the pregnant rounding of her belly. Fimifeng dragged a bench in behind her. She sank slowly down onto it, but gave no sign of thanks. None of the three of them were much changed from when Frigg had seen them last. When all parties stood before the platform, Frigg addressed the parents and the sister. My deepest sympathies for your loss. It wasn't me, all-mother, I swear, cried Harold. One of the wardens struck him a sharp blow on the side of the head, knocking him sideways. Frigg ignored it and continued. My deepest sympathies for your loss. Who speaks for your departed daughter? I do, the pregnant woman said. She was slight of frame and favored her mother's washed-out look, but with more backbone, and that black glint in her eye. I'm her sister, Yelena. It was my husband this one stabbed. Harold was struggling back up, shackled hands rubbing his head. And you? Who speaks for you? The man stared down at the shadows pooling on the floor. No one but myself. What do the lots say, Femifeng? Who speaks first? The old thrall closed his eyes and tossed a handful of wooden lots before the platform. When they rattled to a stop, he knelt and examined them with great care. This one here, he said, gesturing at the man. 
Go ahead, Carl Harold, Frigg said as Femifang gathered up the sticks. Harold's lower lip was split and still bleeding, and beneath the beating had taken, he had the unfocused look of a man recovering from too much drink. She'd seen the signs often enough to know. I didn't do it all, Mother, I swear that. She raised her hand, and Harold fell silent. Tell us what happened. Tell true, mind you, and it'll go easier for you. He swallowed hard, looked down at the floor, and then back up at her eyes intense and pleading. I was home early, two nights early, from driving a herd south. Weather was fine, so we made good time. Everyone wanted to be back, I think, you know, for midwinter. Anyway, I came in through the south gate before evening, met up with those few friends who'd stuck with me after the divorce and started drinking. Had earned more silver for such a quick run, so I had a little to spare. I made my payment to Gladsheim first, All-Mother. I spent what was left on myself. Frigg raised her hand again. Femifang, is that true? Did the Carl pay on his debt? Femifang nodded once. Yes, All-Mother. Good. Continue. Truth on one point might point toward truth in others. Yes, All-Mother. My friends had their families to get back to, so we settled up, and I headed home. Guess I was drunker than I thought, cause my feet took me to my old house. The one I'd shared with her. The one I had to give up. Not that I disagreed with your judgment, All-Mother. I realized my mistake when I set eyes on it. But the door was open. I could see movement inside. Shadows, really. It was late. Moon high. But no one was around. So I wondered if there was maybe someone inside, trying to steal what she had maybe knowing of the judgment and the silver she got. So I run forward, throw the door open, and see this one's husband on top of my wife. Former wife, I mean. He gestured at Yelena with his chin, but kept his eyes down. Frigg almost expected Yelena to say something, but she didn't. She sat silently, arms folded across her belly, still with that murderous gleam in her eyes. There was also something satisfied about her expression, like someone sitting back after a good meal. She glanced at Femifang, who shrugged slightly, and then the wardens, checking their expressions. They were totally impassive. To Harold, she said, Go on. A fierce note entered the man's beaten voice. So I went at him. Tried to get him off her. She, she was crying, I remember that. The rest is blurry. He threw me off, and I must have hit my head. I wasn't steady on my feet, like I said. Drank too much. I remember fighting, though. I had my knife at my side. It's not there now, so maybe I did stab him. She looked at the wardens again. How did you find him? The warden on the left spoke, his voice a hoarse rumble. In a corner of his house, unconscious. Breaches undone. The knife Jarl Balder took out of the husband's side fits this one's sheath. I see, she said. Do you have anything else to say, Carl Harold? The man shook his head. Only that I didn't do it. I wouldn't have. I'd done wrong by her, I know that. Your judgment hit me hard, All-Mother, and I didn't think about much else on this last drive. He clasped his hands in their bindings. I didn't do it, All-Mother. By the departed mother, I didn't. She lifted a hand. All right, Carl Harold. And you? 
Carl Yelena, what say you? The woman's venomous gaze met hers for just a moment before she dipped her head to her chest, as if collecting her thoughts. When her eyes came back up, they were cool and restrained. Her lip curled and she gestured with her chin at Harold. Only that my husband and I saw this pig murdering my sister. We saw it. Frigg nodded. All right, Carl Yelena. How did you happen upon the... We heard the screams. Yelena's voice was icy like a winter's night. So we rushed over. Not that I move so quick these days, heavy as I am. Frigg looked over at the wardens. Did anyone else hear the screams? The first one spoke again. Not that we know, all mother. I asked around while I waited for the other wardens to arrive. But no one said. Yelena spoke. My house is right next to my sister's. My parents live several houses from me. It was late, so maybe everyone was already asleep. But not you? Yelena shook her head and held her belly. I'm close to my time. Sleeping's hard. I remember how that was, Frey said with a smile that had no effect on Yelena's chilliness. So tell me what happened when you and your husband got to your sister's house. Well, I had a club in my hand, just in case, you know. And when we got there, I froze up. I must have screamed myself. This one here, she pointed at Harold, was on top of my sister, hands wrapped around her neck, yelling at her. I could tell she was already dead by the way her arms flopped around as he shook her. She broke off and hit her face in her hands. Her parents remained silent, white-haired and stooped, seemingly numb to what was happening. Harold remained on his knees, staring down at the shadows. Yelena coughed, looked up, wiped her face with her fingers. There was a note of pride in her voice. My husband didn't hesitate, though. He ran right in and pulled this one off her. They started fighting. I dropped the club and ran out, best I could, screaming for the wardens. I found them a few streets over. I told them where to go, and they ran back. I couldn't keep up, so I just got there when I could. Thank you, Helena, Frigg said. She looked at the pair of wardens. Now, wardens, what did you see when you first entered the house? The two men exchanged a glance. The one on the right shrugged, so the one who'd spoken earlier spoke again. As we said, all mother, this one here was in the corner dazed, breeches undone. Cargillena's husband was on the floor, knife in his side, moaning, blood all over the place. We found the club, too, hair and blood on it. The wife's dress was hiked up, but she passed on by the time we got there. I see. Anything else? The second warden spoke up. Just that the house looked like someone had gone through it. Jars on the floor, chairs overturned, chests thrown open. From the fight, maybe? Frigg asked. Could be, all mother, but it looked odd to me. Yelena spoke, her voice angry. It was probably him looking for the silver. Figured he'd steal it and pay back his debt with it. Make himself even richer. Frigg ignored the outburst. Wardens, did you ask at the wayhouse where he was drinking? Find out if his story is true? I did, all mother, the second one said. The owner said he saw him leave not long before he closed up for the night. I see. She was about to say more when Gnaw slipped into the pool of light cast by the braziers. She beckoned her forward. A moment, please, while I hear this message. 
Gnaw stepped up on the platform and whispered in her ear. Yara Balder says that the wounded husband will fully recover. The wound was bad, likely would have killed him, but he used some of his elixir. Is the husband awake now? she whispered back. Yes. And how did he seem to you? More like a frightened deer than angry, as I'd expect a man who'd just been stabbed would be. Now that was an interesting observation. Why fear? Gnaw had a gift for seeing right through a person's bluster to what they were really thinking. She glanced around the room, her gaze passing over what seemed like a thoughtful look in Yelena's eyes. None of this smelled quite right to her. Perhaps a little deception was needed. She kept her voice low. Did my son say we could speak to the husband tonight? He said it would be better to wait until morning, but that tonight would be all right, were it necessary. She nodded and gave her instructions, voice still low. All right, Gunoa, thank you. When I dismiss everyone, bring one of these wardens back to Boulder's house. Make sure the husband sees the warden. Then go to the warden's barracks and tell the Kyoler there what I've done. He is to send another pair of wardens with you. Make sure it happens, Gnaw, all right? Yes, all-mother, Gnaw said. Once you have, find Gulfin. Tell him to look for Heimdall and then report to me here in the morning. Once you've done that, come find me at Baldur's sick house and keep those wardens with you as well. With a quick nod, Gnaw left. Frigg beckoned for Rota, who'd been standing by one of the columns. You'll come with me to Baldur's. Then I want you to also look for Heimdall. When you cross paths with Gulfin, which I'm sure you will, stay with him and report back to me here in the morning. Oh, mother, I really think... I know. I'll be fine, Rota. It's a short walk, and I'll have the wardens with me. Rota set her jaw and was about to protest further, but Frigg shook her head. I need Heimdall, Rota. Please find him for me. The bearsark hesitated a moment more, then nodded, bowed, and left. Frigg cleared her throat and addressed everyone present. I have good news from Jarl Balder. Your husband should recover, Karl Yelena. But Balder says the next hours are particularly critical. Your husband is sleeping and has been drugged, so that he will remain asleep through the evening tomorrow. I have asked my servant Gnaw to make sure you are informed the moment Jarl Balder says you can see him. Thank you, all mother, Yelena said, a wariness in her eyes. My parents and I are so grateful both to you and your son for taking personal interest in this. Please convey my thanks to Jarl Balder, if you see him before I do. I will indeed, Frigg said, inclining her head. Well, folks, that was chapter 67 of Kinsmen Die. I hope you enjoyed it. Frigg and Nana discussed some of the events that had occurred so far, and then Frigg got called back to the hall to deal with a murder investigation, or at least the start of one. Next week, we're back with Odin. Until then, if you have the time and inclination, please rate or review the podcast. That helps boost the show's visibility, as does sharing it. As always, I'm going to read from both the Bellows and Larrington translations of the Havamal, the sayings of the High One, Odin. Bellows, verse 67. To their homes men would bid me hither and yon, if at mealtime I needed no meat, or would hang two hams in my true friend's house, where only one I had eaten. 
Larrington, verse 67. Here and there I might be invited home when I had no need of food that mealtime, or two hams would be hanging in a trusty friend's house when I'd already eaten one. So, this verse doesn't really make much sense. Some of the commentaries I've read suggest that it refers to the worship of Odin and the hanging hams are a sacrifice. In some source materials, hanging people is a way to sacrifice people to Odin, so perhaps those hams are a sacrifice. Without getting bogged down in all the commentary, what follows is Kodratov's looser, more interpretive translation that incorporates the theme of worshiping Odin. Note that the word image here refers to a carved idol representing Odin. Here and there, my image promises my presence. Maybe I am offered no sacrifice, or he offers two victims, my faithful friend, while I already accepted one from him. Thanks for listening.